You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Today and all days, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we are recording this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present, and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Welcome, Walawani, to a very special episode of Mamma Mia Out Loud. I'm Shani Wellington and I'm a proud Geringer Wandi Wandian woman and I'm also an NITV presenter slash journalist and gee, I am very happy to be talking to you mob out there and also with these beautiful women. Well, hello, Shani. I'm Isabella Higgins. You know me. I know you. I'm a Torres Strait Islander woman. I was born and raised in Mianjin. Now I'm at the ABC. I get to tell First Nations stories all the time and my job is an Indigenous Affairs reporter and that is where you and I met some years ago. It is, yeah. And joining us also... You have Laura Thompson. I'm a Gunditjmara woman and I'm co-founder and managing director of Cleaning the Gap, an Aboriginal-owned and led social enterprise who sell merch with the meaning. So excited to be talking with you two and everyone else that's tuning in. Holly, Mia and Jessie are passing the mic over to us today, hopefully for a good reason (laughs) and hopefully we do a good job. But we are, you know, we're really excited to have some meaningful conversations and talk about the significance of January 26th. So coming up on the show today, we'll chat through a listener dilemma about how to talk to your friends and family who might not see eye to eye with you when it comes to celebrating January 26th. We've all been there. Yeah, absolutely we have. And we'll be looking at something to lighten the mood. We're talking science and self-help. But first, a must on a day like today, I want to check in with you two women with me. How are you feeling what are the plans that are going on January 26th? Uh, how am I feeling? I'm feeling tired because, oh, my God, January is a marathon when you're a First Nations reporter. Uh, I am not sleeping that well this week. I've got so much to do uh, January 26th like I usually do. I'm just going to be working, hustling, you know, 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. I'm pretty much scheduled in, so that's how I spend the day. Out on the ground, hey? Out on the ground. Which uh, rallies, protests, what's the, what is the plan for the ABC? I will be at the Sydney rally, but we're also involved with the Woogalora morning ceremony in Sydney, which is actually a really beautiful event. So I'll be there bright and early, which is probably showing how the face of Australia Day has changed a little bit, right? That we do at least have some Indigenous acknowledgement on the day. So I'll be there early and then I'll be in the ABC News studio hosting a panel discussion at the end. Hopefully some of our listeners might see you out there later on today. And Laura, you know, it's not unusual for Aboriginal people to just switch off completely around this time. Even in the lead up, I know a lot of people do a social media purge and just stay away. Are you doing something like that or are you going to be hitting the streets as well? Look, I'm you know, I feel like I'm trying to survive survival day. And, you know, I feel like I've been thinking about survival day and how we're planning to educate our people on our platforms and our followers, you know, about Jan 26 and why it's not a date to celebrate. So I think when the day finally, you know, comes around, you know, we're completely filled to the brim with emotions and, uh, you know, replying to DMs. And I think it's important for a lot of Aboriginal people who are carrying that heavy load to sort of think about that it's okay to have a rest 
and you know mm-hmm. be kind to yourselves on on the day and if you do need to you know disconnect from your social media or you just don't have an, enough energy to go to the rally that that's okay too that's what the real talk isn't it surviving survival day mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we need some tips on how to do that I reckon yeah and you know it does take a lot out of you to be having these conversations to be reporting on the issues but you know our existence is political it just you know waking up and doing this every day and for a lot of the mob that are going to be out there it is draining to go out and, and and speak your truth and yell it at the top of your lungs and write it on billboards that you're carrying around the streets and chanting about it when every other day of the year Totally. And I think also it it represents an opportunity where people, some people I think are more inclined to listen and hear the stories, learn the history. And so that is the challenge for us as First Nations people. It's like, well, how do you rise to that opportunity and try and make the most of this while also looking after yourself? I wanted to ask you, Laura, you know, how do you feel about the kind of shift that I feel like we've seen, especially this year and last year from what we'll accept and the public will accept when it comes to symbolic change and real change. You know, not I think it was on New Year's Eve where we saw that little change of the anthem uh, and, and what that means and to see calls for there to be actual brave action and things that will actually change the the lives of Aboriginal people. What do you think about what people, you know, the change the date versus abolish Gen 26 to every other conversation (laughs) and dialogue that's going on now? Has there been a shift that you've noticed? Look, I've personally, I've had my own shift sort of thinking as I've been reading more like support, I think growing momentum to moving away from change the date, you know, sort of leading into a middle ground of not the date to celebrate. And then lots of um, Aboriginal people talking about abolish Australia Day. And I'm sort of trying to think, where do I, where do I sit? And, you know, and where will our business sit into the future? And I really want to have a conversation about treaty on Jan 26 and we can't have treaty without truth and we need to have that honesty in our country and I think if we were talking treaty on Jan 26 then would do a whole lot of truth telling and then people would sort of come to the point where they'll realise themselves why we don't celebrate uh, colonisation or invasion of this country. It's so interesting you say that, Laura, because I've obviously been talking to heaps of people this week about mm. their views on Gen 26. And I feel like this is the first year where I've heard from a lot of younger people saying, you know, moving away from January 26, maybe that doesn't help the conversation. Maybe if it is on January 26, we are forced to reflect on the fact mm. that this country was built on the loss and dispossession of First Nations people. And we move the day towards being much more reflective than celebratory. But it is, I'm definitely hearing that conversation a bit more this year. How good are young people, by the way? (laughs) Like, I feel like this whole, there's been a massive social movement that's been having young people at the actual forefront. We saw it in the, the Black Lives Matter rallies. All these young fellas and women are just at the front leading the charge. And I feel like I'm seeing more people joining the movement than ever before. And do you think that is because that older generation's moving on? We've kind of got this uprise of (laughs) warriors or what? I reckon it's maybe the change in the way we teach history. Uh, You know, I think First Nations histories are 
much more part of the mainstream than they ever were. We've got more amazing First Nations singers, performers, artists out there, you know, talking our truth through the arts. But I think also you know, we always diss social media for being, you know, like a toxic wasteland. But at the same time, it gets information out there, you know, and it is history and education in the place where young people exist. So maybe that's part of it too. Mm. And you would see lots of that engagement, right, Laura? Yeah, I think the content creation on social media around educating people is just, I mean, the pe- all the people that I follow are actually having these conversations around these topics so it's flooding my new new stream and um, that's all I'm seeing and reading so and for certainly for you know our uh, Aboriginal people and you know our allies in this space they're starting to follow Aboriginal brands businesses and content creators too and musicians and they're getting the same education on you know through their phones. And maybe the best thing that you get from being on social media is that it actually captures that as First Nations people, we're diverse, we have different opinions, that not everyone feels the same. I feel like that's a real shift to not view us as just like a homogenous mob of people who all think the same. I feel like there's also with social media comes accountability. If you do have trash views, not that I'm saying (laughs) which of those views are trash, but if you do, you know, people are going to call you out on it. And I think that's something that's definitely come new with social media. I'm not talking about cancel culture or things like that, but if my auntie, my non-Indigenous family writes something on a post... That's a good identifier for me to be like, wow, I really need to have a yarn with my auntie about all of the things she said wrong there. (laughs) Or be like, yo, mum, call your sister. (laughs) (laughs) We need a family FaceTime stat. (laughs) I also wanted to ask you, you know, we're talking about how we're exhausted, but hopefully a lot of non-Indigenous people listen to this podcast and join us in this conversation. But Something that I feel like I've noticed that's made me really wary is the shift in what Australia Day means to other people. I remember being young, I think like it wasn't this really nationalism kind of aggressive Australia Day celebration that it is today. I feel like there's kind of been a shift where because we've said, hey, this hurts us and we don't have that kind of commemoration of the impact it's had on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, it's been kind of this weird opportunity for others to be really violent with that and kind of get up on a box and be like, because you hate it so much, we're going to love it even more. And I feel like that is a really big place of where my exhaustion comes from, because having to validate your feelings of hurt and trauma to other people really takes it out of you. Like trying to convince someone why they shouldn't celebrate this day, it just makes you not want to get out of bed sometimes, you know? Well, that's the tiredness we're all talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, I think that's kind of gone to extremes. And if we want other people to understand this, sometimes you just kind of have to try and explain what that validation does to other people. Yeah, I guess as well I have really noticed when I was in like high school, I feel like everyone got on the booze, they listened to the Hottest 100 when Triple J was still playing on the day. It was a big party. I feel like a lot of my non-Indigenous friends now have changed their views too. So maybe it's, you know, there's good young people you were talking about, Shani. A lot of this is just a feeling I have, you know, I can't really give an example of what I felt when I was younger to what I feel now or instances where people have been super violent in their 
support of Australia Day, you know, but I'm not going to get stuck into government policies. But there has been a shift. You know, we've seen those riots in Cronulla and we've seen kind of the Australia Day be a badge of honour for people to isolate and discriminate against other people. And so at least now we're having this conversation. There seems to be more people out in force that are saying that kind of approach isn't okay and there is a lot of support for either change the date, abolish the date. There are movements to have some kind of commemoration of what this day actually means to blackfellas. Yeah, and I think I was also out this week talking to the public and there was a lot of people who are new Australians, people who have mixed heritage, their parents moved here as you know immigrants within the last couple of generations and I really got the sense from them that they were quite torn as well about... You know, one of them said to me, I go for Australia at the Olympics, but if you ask me at any other time if I feel Australian, I'd probably say no. So I think it's a conversation for the whole country that what is it to be Australian? And perhaps the reason we have this debate every year is because we all do feel so differently about what a modern Australia is and if it's something worth celebrating. And I think the question is for lots of Australians who are still making a decision to celebrate Australia, that they ask themselves, what am I celebrating? And how can we support First Nation people? And someone said to me, they're like, it feels like this year there is something to celebrate the fact that Australia has remained relatively COVID-free, that we have been able to maintain a good standard of life during a global pandemic. That feels like something to celebrate. But do I want to celebrate it on this day? Probably not. That's what someone said to me. I thought that was quite interesting. It's going to be interesting this year. You know, the rallies, I find they're often feel quite peaceful to me. It's, you know, like mums with the strollers and the kids in the pram waving flags a lot of the time. It almost feels like a community event in some ways, more than it feels like an angry protest. So this year, if there's a huge police presence, if only a certain number of people are allowed there and so therefore it becomes an illegal protest, how does that change it as well? I am interested to see. I'm kind of worried because usually... The vibe on the day is pretty relaxed. It's oh, almost, absolutely. It is almost celebratory. You know, you're sense. with your mob and you're around like-minded people that are walking with you in... Celebrating strength and survival. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess it's one of our safe spaces. Like, that's what I would yeah. say. Like, that's one of the reasons why I go to the rally every year because on, you know, Jan 26, that is a safe space for yeah. Aboriginal people. Yeah. And how safe is it going to feel if you've got hundreds of police men and women patrolling you as if you're doing something wrong. We'll have to wait and see. Hi, my name's Amy. This is a question for Out Loud. Look, I need some advice for my 16-year-old daughter. We have received a listener dilemma from an Out Louder and I think a lot of people listening will relate. I certainly can. It reads, Hi, Mamma Mia Out Loud. I'm a non-Indigenous millennial who considers herself very progressive and open-minded. I believe January 26 is not a day to celebrate. Whilst I love living in Australia, I can't possibly find joy in a day that brings so much pain to so many people. My family, however, are a complete contrast. They're very conservative and still think this day is something to enjoy. I find it extremely difficult to have a meaningful conversation with them around any social justice issues. We can't talk about the issue without an argument ensuing. I wish I could help them understand and change their minds. Thank you in advance. Do you guys have any tips? How do you do this? It's hard. How do you talk to people who just don't have the same views as you? 
I mean, the first thing I thought about when I heard this reader's dilemma was I'm probably, as a black woman, probably not the best person to answer the question because it's certainly not a dilemma that I would face. And her question was, what would you do if your family felt like mine? And I would ask that reader, well, what would you do if your family felt like mine on that day and sort of put that question back to the reader? And I feel like that perhaps... Again, like the burden of responsibility of having to, and I get this question all the time in our DMs on Closing the Gap, and I think, well, how do we shift the burden of responsibility so as Aboriginal people we're not always having to come up for the answers? And we created um, a question on our Instagram page and it was ally-friendly and it says, look, it's not the date to celebrate what to do instead and sort of just allowed our followers to provide that content and education to everyone else. So that's sort of how I would have, approach it is that this is a question for non-Indigenous Australians to address. I think there's a lot of great resources out there. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can direct them to several different documentaries. Be like, sit down at the end of it. Tell me if you think racism's a thing, you know, (laughs) then come back to me, dad, and tell me what your thoughts are. And I think pop culture is sometimes like the most powerful way to influence people. You know, if you watch some of those documentaries or push them that way, make it a family movie night, but it's actually, <laughs> you're making them watch the Adam Goods doco. Yeah. yeah. And, and it becomes a learning point. I think that's great. And it's also about making it sometimes, for me especially, less confrontational. Mm. Because, like I mentioned earlier, when you're constantly trying to justify your feelings about something, your really strong feelings about being oppressed and having that trauma. And when someone says to you, what's the big deal? That brings up a lot of emotion. And so I find it really hard to read something like this because my automatic setting is anger. And I want to come back at that and just be like, how dare you want to celebrate this day and then have the nerve to ask me why isn't it okay, you know? Because like Laura mentioned, there isn't this kind of obligation or duty. We don't have the responsibility to teach other people about what's being done to Aboriginal people well, since kind that of day. Society you know? makes it our role to do it though. Absolutely they do. I remember I had a very good friend of mine who said to me after a long day of being an Indigenous Affairs reporter and I finally came home and it was in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement and she said to me, what is that black square that everyone's posting? I feel like I should post (laughs) it, but I just wanted to ask you what it's all about. Also, like, what sort of millennial is that? I'm sorry. (laughs) As if you couldn't know. Well, this is like, uh, I think this is a similar version of that. And so, you know, I had that expectation on me that, you know, she wanted to post the square, but she didn't want to do the work to find out why it was being posted by everyone else or what the movement was even about. Well, I think that's the thing. And, like, with this listener's dilemma here, it seems like she wants to do something. She wants to help educate her own family. And so she's willing to have that fight. But it is challenging if you are engaging with people who just actually don't really want to hear it, right? So you can present all of these facts. You can make them watch something that is so compelling but if they don't want to believe it well it's like leading a horse to water right like that is the reality that happens sometimes oh yeah and I've been there Mm. we talk about being aboriginal women and coming from where our backgrounds doesn't mean that I don't have the same conversation with my family members you know I I talk about my non-indigenous aunties writing stuff on Facebook that is not a hypothetical my friends (laughs) you know We've been there and I've seen that, but I know that my 
partner, who's also Aboriginal, his brother has engaged in conversations with their other non-Indigenous family members and it's been, you know, he sent us the screenshots, we got receipts and they'll send it to me and I'll read the way he his brother's responding and he's calm, he is eloquent, he's considered and he's explaining the way that what she's saying that's all very inflammatory, it's racist, it's... And about your family members. And so I understand where this listener is coming from because that's someone that you love and they're saying things that really hurt you or go against things that you believe in. Or maybe that you know don't align with their values. Like you know that your dad is a loving, caring person and this view Mm. doesn't seem to align with who he is as a person. But how do you shake that? Absolutely. And, how and, do you shake the societal value that have become part of him? And that's a very confronting thing to know the people that you love can think that way, you know. And in, in this situation, he was very eloquent and considered and he spoke through how it made him feel what she was saying. And he told her, you know, auntie, this is why I think this. This is where I'm from. This is what it really means when you say something like that. And being someone that she cared about, she listened to him and said, wow, thank you for having this conversation with me and all of that. And That's I remember just reading. the best, just re- the best oh, case scenario. If absolutely. someone says thank you for having that conversation, I mean. Prime I- outcome. I'll do that. I'll sign <laughs> off if that's the response I'm going to get. Exactly. But you don't know, right? And I remember reading the messages and my response to those messages was just like, shut it down, dismiss it. She doesn't get my time of my day if she wants to come at me with that ignorance. And I remember reading that exchange and thinking if I can find that patience or if I have that mental energy, which sometimes you just don't, I really need to find ways to, if I want people to be educated and considered, if I get into that, you know, to and fro with someone, maybe I should try and understand where they're coming from and help them understand. You know, like you said, Izzy, if you can't talk to them, sit them down and put on a movie or something like that and hopefully there'll be a talking point that comes from that. Leave a growing up Aboriginal anthology Australia by his bedside and maybe dad will read it. Hey, <laughs> what about um, a rabbit proof fence? I mean, that is the ultimate tearjerker. Oh, you can't not be so I mean, or she could rock up to the barbecue in a, in a bullish Australia Day tea. Absolutely. (laughs) Sorry about merch is that you know when you're wearing a statement tee, your tee can do the talking when you when you're when you're too exhausted to talk. And the other thing is, I think for some people, like they're just probably too far gone. And no matter how much educating you're going to do, you probably just can't change some people's minds, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And then choosing, I think, how she might choose to spend her day, whether it perhaps on Jan 26 she chooses it not to spend with her dad and does something else instead. I think I can say this because I don't think my mum's friends who are involved in this will be listening to this but my mum had to go to an event that she didn't feel very comfortable with so she wore her merch she wore the always was always will be shirt and then she asked if she could do an acknowledgement of country at this event that she didn't think was very culturally appropriate get it girl (laughs) and at the end she raised her fist so that's her way of reclaiming things that don't feel good it's like the equivalent of putting the black fella flag in your tinder bio it's like this is where i stand sometimes you just have to wear your merch 
dust your hands of your dad and show him. <laughs> no, do not dust your hands of your father, poor listener. <laughs> but just show him that this is an important issue to you. You know, stand your ground. And if you can't reach an agreement, just say, well, dad, that's how I feel. That's how you feel. And I will go about it the way that I choose to. Anyway. <laughs> I reckon we need a bit of a mood lightener there. I'll go into a boxing class after this. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, Shana, you look a little bit red in the face. <laughs> There's a lot going on, She's guys. She's a passionate woman. I'm a very passionate woman. <laughs> Love it out We've chatted through some pretty intense but really important stuff and I think it's super vital to make sure that we're looking after ourselves and each other. So with that in mind, let's talk about things that we're enjoying right now. That once my face stops being so red from the passion of what we've been talking about, this will bring the colour right down for all of you at home too, I'm sure. What's making us laugh? What's making us sane? What's getting us in those good vibes to survive survival day? Izzy, kick us off. What do you got, girl? I mean, the main thing is I got a pandemic puppy. So I mean, <laughs> that'll do it. I have a puppy at home. So my life is pretty good. Uh, How is motherhood, by the way? Uh, puppy motherhood to baby Arthur is so good. I think there's science out there about how good pets are and a dog walk every day is. But you know me, I'm like a little bit of a hippie too. Like I grew up in a full hippie family. Maybe it's like the First Nations connection to Earth. It's the way other people view it as hippie-ish. But I've come to a realisation lately that all of these things I believed in, like, you know, the superfood powers, blah, 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 are probably just fancy marketing. So (laughs) I've gone full circle and now I'm going to the science of self-help. So what is actually getting me through is this podcast by a Yale lecturer who researches happiness. So I'm walking the dog. In my ears, I have the podcast called The Happiness Lab. Very good. And I'm listening about all these concepts to keep me happy, like time poverty, you know, is a concept. What's time poverty? It's about how we all feel really stressed because we all feel like we don't have enough time. Fair. So I'm being validated by that. And <laughs> then there's things about how how to be more grateful. So it's getting me by. And my partner thinks I'm like a total fruit loop, but he doesn't realise that I'm also incorporating those into our day-to-day life. Ah, pulling yeah. the sneaky, <laughs> yeah. sneaky self-help on others. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Laura? What's getting you by? Look, I have an ISO kitten as well, so certainly oh, loving the cute. pets. Um, oh, the kids cute. aren't helping me get get by though I tell you that much. I'm on a bit of a fitness journey at the moment. I've given myself the nickname Arnie Laws's six pack. So we'll see if <laughs> yes. I actually achieve six pack at the end or I just buy one. <laughs> but that's been me focused and sort of focusing on, you know, just making sure I'm getting enough rest as well and cutting back on the booze because I certainly felt like that crept in during COVID. Oh, um, and we've got Never a new shop at Clean the Gap. But as part of that, we've got 15 new staff, which, uh, you know, I tell wow. you, like having growing your staff and having like more Aboriginal young people around and getting to know them and their stories and their strengths has certainly brightened up my time at the moment. For sure. That's good vibe. Laura, I have been looking at your Instagram and you've got some pretty flash 80s looking aerobics outfits. Can I ask if they're helping on your fitness gig? They actually are. So it's a- <laughs> Look the and- part, feel the part. <laughs> 
exactly. And, you know, having fun with it. You know, my hubby said, look, aren't you embarrassed? And so I'm actually not. The problem is, though, I'm putting more effort into finding cool outfits than meal prep. So, (laughs) (laughs) But, hey, if you're pumped and motivated to show yourself off at the gym, I mean, that's half the battle. Speaking of self-help, you seemed pretty into it, Izzy. We need a recommendation. (laughs) It's that time. What was that podcast just so we can all go and feel better? It's called The Happiness Lab. It's legit. It's based on science. It's really good. It's well done. Definitely recommend. I'm Laurie Santos. I'm a professor at Yale University. Many of us are starting to feel like happiness is increasingly out of reach. So I decided to do something about it. I developed a class on the science of happiness. So many people turned up that I had to teach the course in a concert hall. And now I want to share these insights with you. And, you know, because it's January 26th and it's January, everyone should also go and read The Yield. I just finished it. It is really tough at times, but a beautiful story about First Nations people. There you have it. And if your life doesn't get better after that, you come for Isabella Higgins. (laughs) You've heard it here first, but that is all we've got time for. Thank you for listening to this episode of Out Loud. Hopefully we haven't ruined it for you all and you will come back to the next one. I'm Shani Wellington. You can find me on Twitter, I guess, Shani underscore W. It's mostly work things, but we can still connect. Shan Shan on Instagram. That's a lot of selfies, but we can connect on there too. Up to you. I've had a blast. (laughs) I'm Isabella Higgins, seconding Shani. I hope we didn't ruin it for you. At Isabella Higgins everywhere, Twitter, Instagram. You know, if you want to see pictures of my puppy, there's a lot of them on Instagram. (laughs) I'm one of the black women behind the brand, Clean the Gap. So if you want to see some of my hilarity and our education and cool clothes with a message, you can follow us at Cleaning the Gap. And there you have it. Thank you all for listening in. This episode was produced by Emma Gillespie.